Welcome to those who are joining us in the Fellowship Hall and online today. It's good to be able to study the Word of God all together. And as you know, we've been working through this series called Ancient Roots, around the ancient summary of the Christian faith that we call the Apostles' Creed. And the Creed is divided into three parts about God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we've already learned a little bit about God as our Father and knowing Jesus Christ, God's only Son, as our Lord. So today we're going to talk a little bit about God, the Holy Spirit. And I don't think it's any secret that of those three, people have the most confusion over the Holy Spirit. About who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I think it's pretty fitting today that we're also celebrating in our Lutheran heritage, Reformation Day. The day that Martin Luther, without really meaning to, started the Protestant Reformation. Luther thought he was just inviting people to debate about some things, but as soon as he posted those 95 topics for debate, the whole thing took on a life of its own and ended up changing the church and the world forever. Case in point, where the Holy Spirit is working, things change. People are introduced to Jesus, and new life begins, and not always in ways that you'd expect. The Holy Spirit has always been bringing new life from the beginning, and I mean literally the beginning. In Genesis 1, the Spirit hovered over the waters before creation. It was the Holy Spirit who first breathed life into the world. The Holy Spirit is a central actor from the very first chapter of creation to the very last page of the book of Revelation. The Spirit and the bride say, come, inviting people into life with God. And in our passage from John 16 today, Jesus is teaching the disciples and us how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And all through the Gospel of John, Jesus has been telling the disciples that he was sent by God to show us the heart of God the Father, that Jesus is God with skin on. And now it's time for Jesus to prepare his disciples for yet another change. There's so much more that God is going to do through those disciples, but right now in that moment, they couldn't even understand that Jesus had to die, that he had to go to the cross. So how could they imagine what their life was gonna be like after he rises from the dead? Well, at that moment, they really can't, because there's only so much that human beings like us can take in at one time. But what they do need to know is that in the future that they can't yet see or imagine, that God is going to be there with them. And that's important because it's going to be different. They won't be able to physically follow Jesus anymore. That time was kind of like training wheels. Now they would have to follow his word in the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit with them. When Jesus was speaking those words, it was true he could only be in one place at a time because human beings can only be in one place at a time. And that's part of how Jesus humbled himself to redeem human beings like us. He humbled himself to human limits, fully God and yet fully human. But God's Holy Spirit has never lived under human limits. And it's important to understand that, that the power of God that we see at work in Jesus Christ and his miracles and his healing and his power that's the Holy Spirit's power. 
It's unleashed under the will of God the Father and through the perfect cooperation of the obedience of Jesus, the Son of God. God the Father had sent Jesus the Son into the trenches to do the work of our salvation that could only be done through the vulnerable flesh of humanity. And when that part of the story of God's saving work is complete, then the season of the Holy Spirit begins, whose job it is to apply what was won by Jesus to us. Jesus says in John 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And in case the disciples protest here, like, who is this Holy Spirit? Why should we listen to this Holy Spirit? Jesus tells them, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, Jesus says, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. That the Holy Spirit will only say what Jesus tells him. So what is Jesus going to give the Holy Spirit to speak? Jesus goes on in verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So you can see this is the triune God at work right here in this passage. That God the Father sent Jesus to do the work of salvation for us on the cross. And the Holy Spirit's work is to apply that saving work to us. To take the gift of God's good heart that was proven on the cross and now help us live into that gift. As John 16 says, the Holy Spirit's job is to take what belongs to Jesus and make it known to us. So the Holy Spirit is the translator. He's the application specialist. So what is the Holy Spirit applying? What belongs to Jesus in his resurrection? Power over death. Status as a true child of God the power of all grace and forgiveness and new life. And all of those things that were won by Jesus, that belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes known in our lives to us. So what difference does that make? What kind of a change does that bring in a human life? Well, let's look at the example of what the Holy Spirit did in the life of a man called Martin Luther. Originally, Martin Luther had believed that his salvation would depend on his being able to be good enough to earn salvation from God. And he knew very clearly that he was not that good. And so because of that belief, believing in God really didn't comfort him. It filled him with anxiety and fear because he saw God as this taskmaster who demanded a perfection that he knew he could never do. And Luther literally made himself sick trying to work himself into perfection he knew he'd never pull off. And that's when his mentor assigned him a task that actually saved his life. He was ordered to go and to read the New Testament for himself. And that might seem like a small thing to us, but the fact is not a lot of people had done this at that time. The Bible was only available in a few places, and the copies were handwritten and only in Latin, so very few people were educated enough even to read them. But Luther did. And when Luther read the scriptures, the Holy Spirit changed his life forever by introducing him for the first time to the true character of God through Jesus Christ. For the very first time in his life, he realized that salvation comes to us through Jesus as a gift of his grace. 
that we can't earn it. We can only receive it with joy. And that truth set Luther free. When he experienced that, it changed everything. He couldn't shut up about God's amazing grace. He started telling everyone that Christ alone is what you need for salvation. Only Jesus has done that work. And that we know this truth by Scripture alone, that you can trust the Word of God about Jesus, especially when that comes into conflict with man-made structures and rules and what they say. And that saving hope, joy, and life that Scripture shows us is ours in Jesus Christ is ours by grace alone, undeserved. The righteousness that Jesus gives us by His grace to all who receive it by faith alone. Receive it by faith in Him, not in faith in our ability to somehow get it right. That truth changed forever how Luther saw God from a taskmaster who inspired terror and anxiety because of the impossible task of perfection to a loving father who bent down from heaven to raise up his children who had fallen and took the pain of it into himself. For Luther, all of a sudden, faith was a joy instead of a burden, a relationship instead of rules. And he couldn't stand that people didn't know, like once he didn't know, how good God is. Once the Holy Spirit had opened his eyes to the truth of what Jesus came to do for him, there was no going back. And when you know that, you can appreciate the overwhelming gratitude that are behind Luther's words about the Holy Spirit in the section of the Creed in his small catechism. Luther writes, I believe I cannot, by my own understanding or effort, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in true faith. And in the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it united with Christ Jesus in one true faith. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit's job is to take what belongs to Jesus and make it known to us. So of course... The Holy Spirit draws us into faith when we hear the gospel, when we hear the truth of the good news of what Jesus has done for us. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message. So if you want more of the Holy Spirit's power and work going on in your life, my recommendation is to get into the word of God because the Holy Spirit calls us through the gospel, reminds us of what Jesus says and translates the meaning of his message into our hearts, applies it into our lives, helps us to live out what that means for our lives too. So think about this for your life. When did you first really hear that what Jesus did on the cross in his resurrection was for you? was to save you, to lead you, to redeem you. That was the Holy Spirit at work. And remember in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit first came to the disciples of Jesus, all of a sudden they were able to speak in all different kinds of languages, which was an amazing moment. But it wasn't just a show. It was for a reason. It was so every person there would be able to hear what Jesus had done, he had done for them. No matter what culture they were from, whatever language they speak, that this was for them. 
The Holy Spirit's job is to take what belongs to Jesus and give it to you, to glorify Jesus, to make him known, to bring you into the life with God who loves you. So if you've ever wondered if something that you're experiencing is from the Holy Spirit, you can always ask the question, does this glorify Jesus? Does this lead me to better love and trust the saving work of Jesus for me? If it doesn't, it's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will never contradict Jesus. God is three in one. And the power of the Holy Spirit of God is the same power that raised Jesus from death into resurrection life. And because of Jesus' obedience and victory through the cross, that same power is now applied to us. Ephesians 2 says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Remember, the dead can't raise themselves, right? It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The good work God has done for us in Jesus Christ leads us also into a calling to share that grace with others, to help others to see that too. That message changed Martin Luther's life forever, but it didn't make his life easier. <laughs> in fact, it put him in opposition with those in power who actually benefited from people putting their hope in man-made systems instead of in Jesus alone. Luther was put in a place where he had to make a decision. He was told that if he didn't recant and say, just kidding, I don't really believe any of that, he would be thrown out of the church and today, if you leave one church, there are hundreds of others you could choose from, but then there was no other church. It was this or nothing. And it was the common belief that he'd grown up with his whole life that if the church kicked you out, it was called excommunication, you could not go to heaven. So can you imagine how terrifying that would have been for Luther? When he was given that choice, recant, turn your back and deny this truth of God's amazing grace in Christ alone, or be excommunicated, thrown out forever. You can see why it took Luther a little bit of time to think about this. He fervently prayed for God to show him what was true in the midst of that terrifying choice. And as Jesus promised he would, the Holy Spirit led Luther back into the truth of Jesus, gave him the courage to choose to believe that salvation through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, revealed by the word alone. And his confession was, I'm going to put all of my trust in you, Jesus, not in what the people are saying around me. Luther ended up by saying, here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, there would have been no here I stand. Because where Luther was standing was in the power of God's grace for him. The Holy Spirit had taken what belonged to Jesus and it made it known to Luther. 
The Holy Spirit's presence gave him the courage to believe and led to a change that would set other people free to hear who Jesus is for them as well. Luther, who had been changed by this encounter with the Word of God, was also led to translate Scripture into the common language so other people also could encounter that truth of Jesus for themselves. When the Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus, we grow in joy, but we also grow in our calling to let the world know that same grace that sets us free. And we can see that all through history, too. I was recently at the LCMC conference, and one of the speakers was a church historian named Mark Granquist, and he talked about the history of the Lutheran church in America. And he said, there's a common misconception, almost a joke, really, that a Lutheran's idea of growing the church is to have children. <laughs> and he said, well, there might be some truth to that. But he said that statement actually comes from a very limited view of history that he calls the tyranny of the recent past. He said, our historical imagination seems to be limited to the past 50 years, 70 years, but if we go back 100, 200, 250 years to see how Lutheranism functioned, we see a very different kind of picture. You see, in Europe, before the first waves of immigration into this country, in Norway and Sweden and Denmark, the Lutheran church was a state church. And for a lot of people, they experienced church as more like a corporation or a tax or something. They didn't hear the gospel of freedom. They only felt a law of obligation. And so when they immigrated to the United States, only 30% of Norwegians, 20% of Swedes, 10% of Danes actually ended up joining the American Lutheran Church. And yet, the church here grew quickly, much more quickly than those percentages, and became larger than the church in Europe. Why? It was because the Holy Spirit couldn't be contained. That in Scandinavia, what was happening, even in that time, the Holy Spirit sparked a new movement, a pietistic movement, a renewal of the church from the inside out, of people wanting to live into the truth of what it really means to be disciples of Jesus. And many who immigrated here had that kind of heart. The church in America grew because it was a church that was inviting others actively to know Jesus. A heart that finds freedom and joy in what Jesus has done wants other people to know that's saving grace too. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, calling people into life. And responding to that nudge of the Holy Spirit brings joy, but that calling often takes courage, and it also moves us out of what's comfortable. And this community has shown that kind of courage. Early on, two different congregations, one German and one Swedish, took the leap in 1929 to step away from the comfort of each worshiping in their own separate languages in order to worship together in English as one family of faith. Zion Lutheran and Faith Lutheran put aside their cultural differences to become first English Evangelical Lutheran together. And years later, when the ministry outgrew the building there, they made a courageous decision again to move forward with a leap of faith to this property, which at that time was outside of town in White Bear Lake. And many here who have experienced through the early days of the church on this site, Pastor Magnuson and many others took personal invitation to a new level. I've heard lots of stories from many people here who first met someone from this church in their driveway next to the moving van as someone intentionally came to invite them to be part of this faith community. See, the Holy Spirit isn't done with us. God's passion is still for the world. 
N.T. Wright once wrote, books can reach out in a small way to the world, but our lives and the power of the Spirit can reach a lot further. Jesus' disciples are sent into the world, not just in the first century, but in every generation. The world remains the object of God's saving love and the reason why Jesus died. He was sent into it by the Father, and now he sends us. After 128 years of faithfulness to Jesus here, I know the Holy Spirit will continue to guide us, as Ephesians says, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And because God still loves the world, he sends us into it with the power of his Holy Spirit. And because of the good work of our salvation that Jesus has done for us, now by the Holy Spirit, he wants to use us in his work to let the world know his amazing grace. So this morning, do you know that that's true for you? Do you know the power and the truth of God's love is yours in Jesus Christ? Do you know that he has invited you into his presence forever because of what he has done for you? And do you know it's true for those not yet here, for those who do not yet know that love of Christ? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you do in us. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to do your good work in us, to draw us back to the truth of Jesus, to draw us to one another, and to draw us in love toward your world. Lord, do your good work in us as we trust in your good work done for us in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would lead us and guide us into the ways you want to use us to continue your great work for this world that you came to save. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.